Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hey, Good Gabbers, Steve McBride here today. Another episode. Uh, today's exciting. We get to learn a lot more about the refugee resettlement system. Uh, we have an exciting guest today. This is Christy Armstrong, Executive Director for Spokane World Relief. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Well, so we were just chatting, you know, like I only know a surface level of what's happening in World Relief in Spokane and Spokane and refugee resettlement. Help us understand a little bit more about your world. I can do that. You hmm. know, I've been on staff for about 10 years. It'll be 10 oh. years, the 13th of this month. And Happy anniversary. Thank you. A decade thank is a you. long time it's to be long invested. Time. It is. And honestly, when I went on staff at World Relief, I kind of sat at my desk and went, hmm, is this really for me? And I ask myself the questions that I think a lot of um, Americans ask themselves about refugee resettlement. Why are we doing this? Why are we bringing people who have such great need to our country? And it, they tend to think that it puts a drain on our um, social services system. I certainly thought that. And so I, for the first few weeks, I asked myself, why are we doing this? And is this a place for me? And I would listen to conversations outside my office door in languages that I didn't understand. And like, I... Like, where's my place in exactly, this? Exactly. Yeah. How, how do I fit and, and should I stay long term? Well, it didn't take me long at all to figure out that refugee resettlement is a win, 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 win in so many ways. Uh, the people we resettle are... Uh, that might make me tear up just yeah. a little bit because I, I know now their names and their faces and their children. And so instead of just being this mass of humanity, they're people that I get, even uh -huh. though we don't speak the same language. They're, they're like me. They have families. They have, you know, they have aspirations. They want to make something of their lives. The biggest thing is they want to live in a place where they have some dignity Safety. and where they have peace. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's something that humans, we can often forget sometimes, right? Just how human we all are. Right. We're set up for, you know, us, them conversations. It's just not quite true when you get to meet people. That's really huh. true. That's really true. That's, that's one thing that has really shifted in my mindset is I recognize that I, as an American-born citizen of literally, I think, my opinion, the greatest country in the world, um... I, I have a very individualistic mentality. A lot of that's the, very American. Yes, that's very yeah. American. Yeah, we that's teach how we were born and raised. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, not so much in other parts of the world where people are very interdependent on one another. So that's been a bit of a mindset shift for me of how can I be a little less about me and mine and a lot more about um, us as a community. That sounds like an incredible journey. Anything that comes to mind right now, just in your own personal journey uh, uh, about that shift? Yes, yes. I, you know, it's always for me. It's always about stories. I know. I know a lot of leaders of organizations. They can rattle off the facts and the figures <sighs> and the stats really quick. I have to reach back into the recesses to do that because to me, it's all about story. Yeah. And so I always think 
about a lovely um, single mom who came when I was very new to the system. I was a, an employment specialist helping people find jobs. And I, when I first came in, I thought, well, this is going to be easy. I've worked in the business world. I'll You're make like, appointments. I know people. With the, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know people <laughs> who know people. We can do this. Well, I met this one lovely single mom from Ethiopia. And she would come into my office and she would, for about two or three minutes at the outset, she would just drop her head on my desk and she would just weep. She Whoa. would just weep. Heavy. I mean, it was heavy. I, but this single mom, four kids, she had been um, evacuated from her country, had been actually living in a, a refugee camp for many years. And now she's in the United States of America with four kids. And so, what do you do now? What do you do now? So if you think about that, even, even if you've lived in circumstances that are difficult, you still, people put their roots down and they build community and they adapt to life around them. And life in the United States is very different. And she didn't have that community. Yeah. So. I, is she still living in Spokane? Well, that was probably seven or eight yeah. years ago. And she does live in Spokane and her kids are... Um, older, a couple of them young adults. And if you saw her today, she has a gigantic smile on her face. She can do conversational English. She's got a job. And I wouldn't say she's flourishing yet, but she's got the roots down. She's on her way. And she's on yeah. her way. Well, mm -hmm. and that just, you know, like you were saying, win, win, win. That's a win for our community when it someone is. is gets to flourishing, that impact they make, the, mm -hmm. a different perspective that they can bring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're seeing that right now at, at SkillSkin. Like we've, uh, we put our hands up a few years ago uh, during, you know, the, essentially the Afghanistan yes. uh, effort to you know get people out of that country mm -hmm. the Taliban was coming and we're like okay how can we help so we connected with your organization said we have jobs we don't know how to put this together right. but let's try right and uh, the first person that came over his name is Zachariah he wasn't from Afghanistan but he needed a job and we're like okay let's figure this out and all of a sudden um we got through all the background checks. We got them on the federal courthouse is, is where we're doing the work. And it's just been such a joy right. uh, to get to know him and what he's bringing to the table and and get over the language barrier too. like mm -hmm. watching both sides. Like how does a business start to, you know, accommodate for that? And how does, you know, a person start to integrate in America? Yeah. So we saw it firsthand and we're like, all right, well, let's do this again. Yeah. Like we're ready to take someone on. And we brought Muhammad on. Um, he applied and came on board, gosh, maybe about a year, maybe a little more than a year ago now. And spoke a, a dialect of Arabic that just no one speaks around here. Yes. So like what, gosh, Pashtun. Uh -huh. Yeah, and it's so it was so difficult the communication barriers at first, but we figured it out because we were committed as an organization to do it. So That's a lot great. of hand pointing, a lot of understanding because we're still humans, right? <laughs> we are. Said. So we, we can are. communicate at those base levels, and then thank goodness for Google and the apps and translation. <laughs> the translation apps. Yeah, and we just we keep figuring it out. And one of our project managers um, just Wednesday shared in our our operations meeting. What, how his life has changed yeah. uh, because of hiring those two individuals, his team's lives have changed. Yes. We help people with disabilities. They're, they're marginalized population, a lot of barriers to employment. 
And even one of our long-term employees says, you're bringing in people I've never seen before. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but it was just, it was powerful, powerful stuff. Yes. It, so. We've had those experiences with employers. We work with literally hundreds of employers in Spokane, probably about 150 that are actively hiring people from World Relief right now. And it does. It changes the environment at a company um, for the good. We've had we've had some places where employers have called our team and said, you know, there's this thing and we know it's cultural, but we don't know quite how to navigate it. And our economic empowerment team works with employers all the time to navigate those kinds of things. And it it's really interesting to watch companies as they kind of shift and change in their mindsets. It's it's very, very satisfactory. Do you, is the story come to mind? Uh, maybe not, you don't have to say any employers' names, but maybe sure. a story of employment that maybe that organization did change? Yeah, yeah I, I can. There's, you know, there's lots of cultural nuances, whether it's related to religion or traditions or just personal values. And so I can think of one culture that, um, you know, they have a tradition of going to prayer three times a day at set times. And one of the companies we work with they wanted to accommodate that, but, you know, it's a, it's a manufacturing setting, mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, how do we do that? And they just made some adjustments, and we're very able to do that. So the employer's happy because the employees are coming back from their break, at, and they go, go to prayer, and they come back happy, and it just kind of lifted the environment. Um, one really funny thing we had happen with that is that hand and foot washing go along with that okay. um, prayer time. And so uh, the employer called me one day and she said, I'm just not sure what to do. We we're happy with this. It's working out great, but it makes such a mess in the washroom. And I said, well, that's easy. We'll just bring some Tupperware bins in and they can use the Tupperware bins. So, you know, that's no just big deal. reasonable accommodations. And so now everybody is just happy. <laughs> Incredible. That story translates so well, especially in the idea of reasonable accommodations. That's our world in the disability space. Right. And we're helping employers understand that a lot of accommodations are simple things. Yes. Like finding a place for prayer in a break room. Tupperware. That's part of the tradition. Like these are small little adjustments that can make a big difference in employees' life and help you with employee retention. And people have exactly a lot of loyalty that is and that that is one of the things i love skillskin Mm. we've we've uh, known about you guys for years and skillskin's a great organization but yeah it's you know it's about employee satisfaction if we can do those small things that make people feel like they really belong there and they're really you know wanted there it just makes all the difference well, I, I know that firsthand. And yeah, your your organization, your partnership with us is definitely making a difference in the lives of our employees, our teams. And we're, we're doubling down. We want to figure Great. out how to connect uh, <laughs> even more. Um, all these options in the program and, and people are, they don't know exactly where they're going to go. Like, why Spokane? Why, why here? Well, so people don't choose to come to Spokane. They're Spokane is chosen for them by the government. Spokane says this is a place where this it might be a good fit. There's housing, there's food, there's a community that will welcome you. And so they choose Spokane. However, people once when people come through the refugee system, they come with an authorization to be in the United States, to work in the United States. 
and they have the liberty to move around the United States. They just let, need to let the government know where they are. So there's a form they fill out when they so move. So this is just an entry point. It's an entry point. So, for example, in Spokane, we have a large Ukrainian community. Right. So it would be a great place for Ukrainian people to come. We also have a large Sudanese community, which... Um, for those of you who don't know, Sudan is in Africa. <laughs> and so maybe somebody will be resettled in L.A. and go, ah, this is just too big. It's too much for me. I know there's a Sudanese community in Spokane. I'll just go there. So people are resettled in this city or that, but based on their preferences, the communities they want to be with, they can move around. I have a strange question on that. Okay, so I'm thinking about if these communities are starting to be built, how are they represented in the restaurant scene? Are people starting businesses? Have Can you, you find of, Sudanese? Have you heard of Feast World Kitchen? I have. Oh my yeah. goodness, yes. Tell, tell us more about Feast. Feast is an amazing organization. Oh. We, For a long time at World Relief, we thought, we've got to get the ethnic food into the community oh. because we have the best potlucks in the world. I bet. <laughs> world Relief. So um, uh, Ross, Ross Carper from... Uh, is a, he is a food guy. He's had a food truck and everything. He came to us and he had had the same dream. He's like, how do we get people plugged into food? Because we need ethnic food in Spokane. And he had all of the, the technical knowledge and knew all about how to train people to do it and all that. And we're like, Ross, you start it. We'll send you all the people you want. And he took off with it. And Feast World Kitchen now has... Uh, I think they're uh, five days a week that they do food, and they've got chefs from every imaginable country. So you can get different ethnic food pretty much every day of the week there. So instead of driving by on third, I'm pulling yeah, in. Yeah, pull in. Okay. Pull in. And you'll—it's an experience too, because you know the chefs are there. That different people from the ethnic communities help out, and so even when you just walk into feast, you're—it's like you're in a different world, and they're so welcoming. They're so happy to see you, and the food is great too. Right here in Spokane. <laughs> right here in Spokane. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking about just someone's journey. Like, I know a lot of our listeners, maybe we don't really understand. You mentioned, you know, the woman with four children earlier that came out of a refugee camp. What what does that look like, you know, for someone in a sure. camp? Well, you know, refugees come because they, they can very clearly define a well-founded fear of persecution. And so sometimes that means that they fled from their country and they've gone to a refugee camp, like my friend from Ethiopia. But sometimes it means that they've actually lived in a first world culture, like in Iraq, and mm. a war has broken out or, you know, some other circumstances, and they actually have to leave a very comfortable environment. They leave their home, they leave a business, they leave, you know, family and friends. And it can be everywhere in between, from a third world marginal village to a first world modern city. Uh, and the journeys are all very, very different, very different. But it's a program that the United States has set up? Yes. Okay. Yes. So people actually have to apply for refugee status. Refugee is a recognized immigration status, just like asylee or parolee or the, the literally hundreds of different um, statuses that go with immigration. So before uh, they ever set foot on American soil, they have to apply for that program and be accepted and then... It's just waiting, waiting, waiting to the, to the day that 
their name is posted on a board or they get a letter or something that says you're being resettled in the United States. And they don't apply specifically for resettlement in the United States. Okay. It's, It's random. The UNHCR says we have room in this country or this city. We're sending you here. And so there's affiliates of World Relief then all over the world? Well, so World Relief itself is in nine different countries, um, and they have lots, wow. of, lots yeah. of great services, like a, a mom and baby wellness. They help with family planning. They help people set up uh, farming tech, new farming techniques. Everything in World Relief is designed to help people flourish and uh, move to a next level. They help with clean water programs. So in nine different countries, and then we have 20, 20 offices in the United States. So big, big organization. It's a large organization. Uh, yeah. I bet your conferences are a lot of fun. Uh, they're really diverse. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine <laughs> so. So uh, how long has World Relief been in uh, Spokane? You know, uh, 30 years ago, uh, last year, a lovely woman named Linda Unseth opened the first World Relief office in Spokane. And in those days, there were no government grants to support the work. She was literally dependent on local churches and the community to come around and provide everything from housing to furnishings to food to everything that they needed. So, so it's a really grassroots here in Spokane. Very Spokane. grassroots, yeah. Very grassroots. How's that evolved over the last 30 years then? Well, we now have... Um, about 60 people on staff. Wow, all right. Yeah, we have lots of grants, grant funding, which is fabulous to provide those foundational services. So when people come through World Relief Spokane, we meet them at the airport. Uh, There's a team there that already has housing available for them. We help them move into that transitional temporary housing until we can get them placed in an apartment. Um, we do we do food for them, and, we, and we've got all of that foundational piece. We're really, really dependent on the on churches and on the community in general to help them really integrate into their new their new city, their new um, place of belonging. And so one of the things that we just love about Spokane is it is a very welcoming community for refugees. Yeah. And I love hearing they, that. Yeah, that's what people need. I mean, they're they're human beings just like us, and and they want family, they want friends, they want to you know feel like they can come to the library and have somebody that'll help them understand what it's about. And Spokane is very very good about that. Well, I first got uh, some additional. Um, I don't know. I guess I got involved with World Relief through my neighbor. And her name's Christina Nichols. Mm-hmm. And do you know her? I do. <laughs> yeah, all I right. Do. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We worked together on a, a water board uh, for the so West Plains uh, mm-hmm. Water District out there. Just a powerhouse of an individual. And she's like, Steve, this is what I'm up to. I need some help. Let's figure this out. And she started to tell me about all the supports that happen uh, with your organization and when did the support stop? So you meet someone at the airport, like what does that, that cycle yeah. look like? 
Well, they're when they first arrive, they're in a resettlement program for 90 days. So they have a case manager who helps them get set up with everything from getting the kids enrolled to school to, you know, getting um, to the clinic so that they have medical services, uh, learning how to ride the bus, learning how to shop in America. Just They help them just navigate culture. We also have a lot of volunteers that help with that, and they're critical to that. So for 90 days... It is a flurry of activity, orientations, learning new things, trying to figure out what the rules are in this crazy new country they live in. (laughs) I bet that is very difficult. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And then we have more extended services, like we have our integration and wellness team for people who maybe are having a little bit of difficulty getting started. Maybe kids have medical needs or they have special needs kids or mom and dad have other needs that, that the require a little more time and attention. So we've got a team that does that. We've got our economic empowerment team, and they're all about helping people understand the American work culture, learn how to be a great worker in America, and get connected and placed in a job. That's awesome. Yeah. We also support their employers. So for 90 Mm. days after they get a job, we're there for them and the employers. By the way, if you are a business owner or a manager and you're listening to this conversation right now and you want to get involved, that support is real support. We picked up the phone many different times and your organization, your staff definitely came through and, and helped us tremendously. Great. That's good yeah. to hear. That's good to hear. One one really exciting thing that we've got that's kind of a little known secret. Ooh, we love secrets. That's, that's getting out in the in academia and in the medical community is we do refugee simulations. And it's a three-hour process where we take people and kind of give them an overview of the refugee crisis worldwide. You know, there's over 100 million people displaced from their home in the world. And and only about one-half of 1% of those people ever get resettled in a different place. So people are just living in that status for for their lifetime? Yeah. And you know what? We had a a wonderful um, Burmese guy on our staff and I remember him saying one time that the hardest thing about being a refugee was nobody wanted me he said my my country didn't want me the place where I was in the refugee camp they didn't want us and then there was no place for us to go so he said when I came to Spokane it was the first time in my life where I ever felt like I was wanted and I belonged and he's he's an American citizen now yeah yeah wow I, uh, you know, I bet you wake up pretty excited knowing that that's kind of impact you're making every day when you show up to work and your teams are, you know, it doing is. this hard, hard work. Yeah, it, it is. It's, I, I don't think there's been a day, you know, there's been days at World Relief there where I tore my hair out or I went home in tears or I thought, I don't think I can do this anymore. But something always happens that you go, oh, Oh, that's why I do this. Yeah. Those magic yeah, moments. It's worth it. Yeah. I think we have a connection for you uh, with Leadership Spokane and that simulation. The, oh, yeah. I, that group of folks who are going through a cohort of like 50 or so people that are kind of the up and coming leaders. Are you familiar with the program? I am. Yeah. Are yeah. you a part of Leadership Spokane? I am not. Yeah. I've heard great things about it, though. Well, I think they could really benefit of connecting with yeah. you and going through that type of simulation. Cause, it's a, it yeah. kind of rattles people's worlds because we give them the overview and then we actually put them in a place we give them a story of a refugee family that 
the group of people they're in has about 20 minutes to read the story and kind of memorize their part in it. And then we put them through what a refugee would go through, a, a medical screening, a, a screening through a, you know, a, an official of the U.S. government who really is looking for any reason to tell them, I'm sorry, if, you know, because we don't, we, our government wants our country to be safe. Absolutely. That's their job. So refugees are actually the most vetted group of immigrants to the United States. Wow. So that's that moment. Like yeah. you're, the door is opening yeah. or closing. Yeah. Ugh, stressful. Yeah. yeah. See, people need to understand that. Yeah. I keep reading a lot too, you know, about what's happening in our country and birth rates and uh, just to keep our our economy going strong, we're going to continue to need people from other places. Yeah. And it's something that's like, we don't know quite how to address that, but we know this, this population mm -hmm. of refugees, they want to be here. Right. And, and let's see how we can help them. So, yeah, that's a really yeah. interesting observation. And again, another, another fact that kind of bubbles up that I don't think most people think about, but especially post COVID, you know, there's been a worker shortage but a even, tremendous a shortage. A tremendous worker shortage. But even prior to that, refugees really fill a niche in many ways. So a lot of times they're, you know, it's the entry-level jobs in housekeeping, in hospitality, in food services that gives them the foundation to move up into better jobs. But, but it's really critical to have them in those first jobs where they just get to learn. Refugees. Yeah, and get to be, be around a lot of different yeah. people, start to learn the yeah. language, learn and other that people culture. get to, to know them, which is really great. That's a vibrant life. It is a very <laughs> vibrant life. So, But we also have people, I think of one gentleman who's from Afghanistan. He was a, a medical doctor in his country, and his credentials don't transfer easily. So he right. would have to go back to school and go through all this to get his credentials here in America. Well, he's a community health care worker with Chaz Clinic now. So there are those places of specialty. In our medical field, we have a critical worker shortage. So refugees are a win-win-win-win <laughs> in that way as well. The An interesting fact, though, is that uh, the average refugee, the person that comes as a refugee, by the time they've been here for 20 years, they will have paid in taxes about $20,000 more than they received in that initial resettlement time where they were they needed public assistance just to survive. So even from a dollar's perspective, it's like yep. win. Refugees are a very, very good economic yeah. move for them. And for us, for well, the United States. Well, I'm glad that here the 11,000 people have been uh, homed and gone through your services yeah. over the last 30 years here yeah. in Spokane. We're actually pressing yeah. in on 12,000 now. We're, well, we're getting really right. close. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you were saying uh, off camera that maybe 700 people is what you're gearing up for yes. this year? Yes. The most we've ever resettled in the history of World Relief Spokane in this city is just over 500. Uh, this year we're on track to resettle right at 500. And next year we've contracted for 700 wow. people. So we're going to need all the help of the community that we can get to do that. So let's get into that because I yes. know our listeners definitely want to know how they can help. Sure. So what are some of the ways that we can engage with World Relief? 
Well, there's lots and lots of ways. So, you know, of course, we're a nonprofit agency, so it goes without saying, you can donate to World yeah. Relief. We will never turn down a great donation of good, old-fashioned American cash. You'll put it to work. <laughs> we'll put it to work. Uh, we have good neighbor teams that uh, walk with our resettlement program to meet people at the airport, help them integrate into the community. So volunteering is another way, whether it's uh, you know working at our front desk or being part of a good neighbor team or a cultural companion or going over to our warehouse and helping them get that organized and, and keep it straightened out, which is a pretty big job. A, a real critical place that we need help right now is down on Third Avenue, there's the used to be the Imperial Motel. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a developer that has totally renovated it, and he said we would like to rent these units exclusively to refugees who come through World Relief. With the housing shortage in Spokane, we went, oh, yeah, what a gift! That is a gift from heaven above. So we are placing people in there right now. Well, they need um, particularly small dining sets, like chairs and table. Uh, we'll always need beds for them because yep. what we do is we set them up in their unit and that's a temporary situation. In three or four months when they move out, they'll take everything, all that furniture with them. So we have that's a how they're con- building, right? Exactly. They're building that life. Yep. So we have a constant need for good, very gently used furnishings or new furnishings. We won't turn down new furnishings either. Yeah. That, okay. So let's say I'm like, I'm feeling like I can buy this table. I know exactly it'd be great for a little apartment. It's on Amazon. How do I how do I get it to your organization? You can call our office uh, 509-484-9829 and they'll be happy to arrange a pickup for it. We do have a box truck that you may have seen around town and they do pickups or you can bring you it. You make it so easy. We will make it as easy so. as possible. <laughs> what a true gift, a whole apartment building. Yeah, it, it is. There's there's 90 units in there. And with the number of people we'll be resettling, we'll be keeping that thing full for a long time. And, you know, uh, there's a, a little issue downtown Spokane with all of the homeless crisis that Absolutely. we have. Absolutely. And that's, that's a place where we're hoping to be part of the solution as well, because now this property is cleaned up, it's occupied, um, and, and it's it just looks lovely. Yeah, so, it'll be, it's vibrant, right? People exactly. are going to be, you know, in and out and around downtown yep. and looking for work and just, yeah, yeah it's alive. Yeah, exactly. So we're, that we're, is part, part of we're the happy to be part of that solution. So, okay, you were talking about a little bit how you, your first couple weeks on the job and... Like, how did you get connected to the organization in the first place? I fell into it. I'd, I had no idea World Relief was here. I didn't know there were refugees in Spokane. I was looking for a job, and I went to WorkSource, and my friend Patty Avey there uh, said, hey, there's this faith-based organization that I think you'd fit well into. And I said, okay, sounds like a great job. <laughs> I'll give it see. a whirl. And uh, it's worked well. It's 10 years later. It's, it's worked well. Have you been in Spokane long? About 30 years. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Spokane so this is Valley. home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is home. This is home, yeah. Uh, WorkSource. I love WorkSource. They yeah. uh, helped uh, kick my journey into the nonprofit space yep. as well. Yeah. I'd come out of the sales world, and I was looking for a change. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they were like, hey, you ever think about this? Yeah. Everything They're changed terrific. after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what do you, what are some opportunities then in Spokane that you might see your longtime resident, you see what's happening, mm-hmm. like 
Any uh, hopes, dreams that you might share with us for this community? For this community? I, I think my biggest hope related to world relief and refugee resettlement is just that as people go to the grocery store or walk down the street or go to the library and they see somebody who maybe sounds different than them and dresses different than them or looks a little different than them, that they'll just be gracious and kind and caring like Spokane people tend to be and just say hi, just engage them. Because this I know of my refugee friends, that when an American actually speaks with them, it just elevates their whole world. They're like, yes, I belong here now. Somebody wants me. And so just that feeling of I belong and I'm wanted here is it just makes such a difference to my refugee friends. To be seen. Yeah. What to we be all seen. want. Yeah. To be known. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. There's I'm just, so glad I did. Um, any parting thoughts outside of that? Well, my, my biggest parting thought would be to our friends. Thank you, Spokane, for being so kind and so welcoming and so generous with our refugee friends. Get involved, everybody. Come in, see how you can help. Money, furniture, you heard it all, your time. Go say hi. Thank you. Thank you.